As darkness continues to spread, it is a little overwhelming on how much wickedness we have to deal with. People are not just blatantly evil and hypocritical, but there is also a level of pride and arrogance mixed with idiocracy that makes dealing with people very difficult today. People want to fight against everything, even if they know themselves they don't completely understand something. If it is not perfectly spelled out for people, people will argue against it. We are at a point in time where arrogance and ignorance are held in higher regards than having knowledge and truth. Instead of people seeking for truth and understanding, they seek to hear things that confirm what they already felt. People don't like information that makes them think too hard, which is why YouTube and Instagram have come with their reels and short products. People today desire a quick one minute truth rather than a full out expose that will challenge what they think they know. It is sad to say, but we are really living during a time where ignorance and stupidity is at an all time high. And because of this, all knowledge and truth is now just up for grabs. So now the truth depends on what side of the fence you're actually on and not what actually is the truth. And now the majority is controlled by fact checkers and small claims at the bottom of videos and reels that will give little disclaimers if the content does not match with the narrative that they are pushing. And the worst part of it all is that people actually believe these claims and these lies. What was once already known is now up for grabs in this new world. But no one should be shocked by this. The Bible has foretold of this thousands of years ago. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 says, For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. And that is what we see consistently today. People have their own desire to hear what they want to hear because they want to do what they want to do. In this past winter solstice, we saw this more than ever. We went from a time where people were debating whether the paganism in Christmas even mattered to now people flat out denying that Christmas was even pagan. It's a total reversal. Many people went back in reverse, all because of a few teachers that gave messages that people with itching eyes were looking to hear. People were looking to hear someone tell them that Christmas was not pagan and they were flocking to teachings like that. They would literally place it in their Google search. Christmas is not pagan. They found teachers that said it and that was their evidence. Exactly a confirmation of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. Itching ears. Now, in my most recent messages, I have been speaking a lot about being set apart. And while this message was very much understood, I still saw that there was a level of misunderstanding because there was a level of knowledge and understanding not really grasped yet. When people were speaking that Christmas wasn't pagan, and when people really didn't understand why and how we are to be set apart from the other nations, when I would ask them questions, I was often met with the same level of ignorance. People were not able to explain what paganism was. And instead of them speaking with humility, trying to gain more understanding, they use their ignorance as a helmet of honor, and they double down. I realized that as we try to reveal truth, and we try to explain to others how we are to be in our faith, if people don't truly understand the contrast and what we are to be set apart from, people do not clearly understand how to walk through strength in our faith. We have a problem with knowledge and understanding. And as many of you who are on the battle lines, who are trying to help your family and friends or other people online understand more about the truth, you may see that people 
may need help in grasping topics not regularly taught in schools or in their churches. Many years ago, I went over this topic, but I recognize that it needs to be covered again and tied in with the current subject matter that we are discussing when trying to understand why and how we are to be set apart. So we are going to discuss clearly what a pagan is and how paganism spread in our modern day culture without the masses really knowing it. If you never clearly understood what a pagan was, after this video, you will know. Let's begin. Okay, so the thing is that in these modern times, the devil has brought about so much confusion that most people do not understand his complete range of influence because we are held back by our indoctrination system that tries to masquerade as education. The reason why subjects like this are not understood is because there is a lack of education and the gaps have not been filled in by the other places that we trust to help us with this. Most people can't understand how believers and followers of Yahusha are to be set apart because they don't clearly know what it is they are setting themselves apart from. The ways and customs of men today are so intertwined and blurred that the masses feel that everything is just subjective, is based on opinion. But this is so far from the truth, so it needs to be explained. So what is a pagan? Well, we can define that in a modern day sense, like with these witches and warlocks that are proud pagans. Awful lot of folks out here who think that Christmas is the original holiday at this time of year and we kind of gently, I know Frank and I kind of gently nudge our Christian <laughs> friends and say just remember you got all this stuff from us because we started this. <laughs> but that does not give us enough background. Now we can also go to today's modern dictionary using the Oxford Dictionary and what you find is that this definition is what most people use when they say what a pagan is. And from this, you see this gives off so much confusion. The dictionary says a pagan is a person holding religious beliefs other than those of the main or recognized religions. And if this is the definition you use or understand pagan to be, it is wrong and it does not fully give understanding to what a pagan is. Be clear, anyone that you have heard teach about what a pagan is and has used this definition never truly understood what a pagan is and so you need to remove whatever they taught you out of your mind because they have not taught it correctly i will go over it later but by this definition you could say that during the times of the ancient world the israelites were pagans and we know that's not correct so we need to dig deeper and get more understanding because this definition leaves a lot of information out so we first need to go back to the times of ancient israel now, in my first video about this subject, I went back to the beginning of paganism with Nimrod and Semiramis and Tammuz. But as I explained in the beginning of this video, in dealing with these times, when all research is challenged, when you start there and bring up resources like the Book of Jasher or Alexander Hislop, this all could be a stumbling block and distraction, and people tend to want to focus on that part of it than understand the complete message and the correlation. So in order that this lesson not be hindered by those distractions, we are going to skip over into the times of ancient Egypt. And this way, there could be no disputes. So in understanding this, you need to first review it from the right perspective and lens. If you're a believer in the Bible, you must look at things from the perspective of ancient Israel. Ancient Israel are a people that had a covenant with the one true God, Yahuwah. 
This covenant started with Abraham. It passed to Abraham's son, Isaac, on to Isaac's son, Jacob, who was later renamed Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, and these sons are who is considered to be the children of Israel. There was a point in time where they dwelled in the land of Egypt because of their brother Joseph. But as they began to grow in number, the Pharaoh of Egypt began to be threatened and he enslaved them. And it was at this time that the one true God, Yahuwah, that they had a covenant with, displayed his power to the rest of the world through freeing his people from the hands of the most powerful empire of that time, who were the Egyptians. From the eyes of the Israelites, the world was broken up into two parts. There was them, those who were Israel, who had a covenant with the one true God, Yahuwah, and there were the other nations, everyone else in the world. And in the Bible, they were referred to by different names. Names you will find in the Bible such as heathens, strangers, foreigners, or Gentiles. So the divide was Israel and everyone else in the world. That's how it was divided. We know of Israel and the God that they served because he had the most power. Through all these empires that had might and power, through many different factors, the children of Israel are known today not because of the size or strength of their nation, but by the strength and authority of their God, because they were not a large nation by number at all. So again, please understand the divide. This was biblically how the world was divided. This is where we get to understanding who pagans are. So lock that in with your understanding. Okay, so you just understood how the world was looked at from a biblical perspective from the children of Israel. But now, if you change the vantage point, looking now from the eyes of who the Israelites refer to as the heathens, to all these people, the world was split up by different tribes and peoples. It was split up greatly because there was many different tribes and nations. Now again, at that point in time, Egypt was the main empire of the world. And then there were many different tribes that were spread around the world that all stemmed from when the world was dispersed after Babel. Now to the rest of these nations, they were just different tribes, nations, and tongues. But as far as religion goes, the worship of their gods was not different. They all practiced a version of the same religion. The only thing that separated them were their tongues and their languages. This is what Yahuwah did. These people were at one time together worshiping the same gods, attempting to challenge Yahuwah. That was what the Tower of Babel account was all about. But after Yah confused all the languages, the people were not on the same accord any longer, and they all dispersed with the same type of religious beliefs, but just by different names. They were all the same, except when they began to hear about the nation of Israel, who was then freed from the most powerful world empire at that time, Egypt. It was said that this small nation was freed by the power of their one God. One God. They only served one God, and they said he was the most high. That was not heard of at that time. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says Yahuwah, God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is Yahuwah, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know Yahuwah, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to Yahuwah our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. 
That's Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. And there was much more of this dialogue. But Yahuwah, the God of the Hebrews, was made known to the world at this time. And you see, if Egypt had have held on to Israel, or they even destroyed them, we would have never known of Yahuwah. The contrast between Israel and the other nations was about the God that they served. Israel was the only nation to serve one God. The other nations serve many gods, and that is what pagans are. Pagans are people who worship and serve many different gods. In our education system, they taught it to us as polytheism, the worship of many gods. Israel was the only monotheistic nation, meaning the only nation to worship one god, and the rest of the nations worshipped many gods. Many people love to try to throw a monkey wrench in and love to use Akhenaten, who was the heretic of the Egyptian pharaohs who claimed belief in one god. But the thing is that he was that one god. This was quite different than what Israel believed, and there was no power behind Akhenaten because after his short reign of 17 years, he died and his movement and belief was canceled, and he was known through the Egyptian history as a heretic. If you're ever coming across claims about that movement, the important thing to understand was there was no power behind that. There was power behind Israel, and that is obvious to this day, being that we are still talking about them. So back to pagans, yes. They are polytheistic. They worship many gods. But this understanding can and must go deeper because it was not a random belief in random gods, but they had a hierarchy and a system. And this structure is highly important to their beliefs. They follow a trinity, a three god structure, father god, mother goddess, and son of god. It is also known as the sun god, the moon goddess, and the reborn sun god. And then there are many other smaller demigods that all have purposes, but do not hold nearly the significance as the pagan trinity. Now, depending on the empire and the culture, the story of the gods are slightly different, but when you get down to the details, you can see all the similarities. For instance, with the Egyptians, this was the most well-known pagan empire. If you ever want to start to understand the basics of paganism, start with them. So with Egypt, their ultimate god, father of all creation was Ra. He is the sun god of the Egyptians. So we place him right here at the top. Now with their pagan trinity, it goes as such. Their father god was Osiris, the mother goddess was Isis, and their son was Horus. This was the pagan trinity. There are many different themes that go along with these gods. For instance, Isis, who was the moon goddess, often is presented around two different themes. First, the moon, and also fertility. And there is much more, but I'm trying to keep it light. You also have the father god, who is often attached to death or the underworld. And then you have the divine child. You often will see them with the sun, and often depicted in this type of imagery of what we now call the Madonna and child. The divine child is the reborn sun god, and he was born on December 21st, which is known as the winter solstice. The time is known as the rebirth of the sun. Just hold on to these understandings because once you have this knowledge, as you go through the history, you can build on it. Now let me just explain that what people often like to do is say that these things have nothing to do with the Bible and these things don't matter. Anybody that says this to you, you should not ever try to learn or discuss the Bible with at all. They are either trying to deceive you intentionally 
or they are very much deceived themselves and they are just spreading their deception without knowledge of doing so. The Bible does mention this often and it's like I explained earlier, the main difference between the Israelites and the heathens. The Israelites were commanded not to follow the way of the heathens. They were commanded to not worship Yahuwah the way that these other nations worship their gods. They were called to be set apart and be different. I've stressed that point in multiple recent videos, so I will not dwell on that in this one. To be clear, understand it from this command. When Yahuwah your Elohim cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship Yahuwah your Elohim in that way. For every abomination to Yahuwah, which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. That's Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. He said, be careful to observe it and do not add to it or take away from it. You know, this verse is often overlooked today in our worship of Yahuwah, but at this point, we will not focus on that. Just stick a pin in it for another time and remember that. Yahuwah told Israel as he brought them into their inheritance that they were to deal harshly with the other nations as they conquered these people and don't look into what their practices were in worshiping their gods and how they served their gods because all of their ways was an abomination to him and he hated all of their ways. All the ways that they worshiped their gods, he hated them. Make sure you understand that. He said he hated the way they worshiped their gods. So if we're ever doing those things that they were doing, he hates those things. And again, as I brought up earlier, he said they needed to be careful to observe how he commanded them and not to add any of their ways or take anything away from what he has commanded them. So if you're understanding the Bible better, you should understand that the other nations that he commanded Israel to beware of were pagans and they had many different customs and ways on how they celebrated their gods, which Yahuwah hated. And if you know the history of Israel and where they were chastised, it was because they often began to practice the ways these pagans worshiped their gods. Let's look at a few instances. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of Yahuwah and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook Yahuwah and did not serve him. So the anger of Yahuwah was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. That's Judges chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. For this city has been to me a provocation of my anger and my fury from the day that they built it, even to this day. So I will remove it from before my face because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned to me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them. Yet they have not listened to receive instruction, but they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. 
and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Himnam, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. That's Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 31 through 35. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. That's Jeremiah chapter seven, verses 16 through 18. And he said to me, you are still to see greater abominations which they are doing. And he brought me to the door of the north gate of the house of Yahuwah. And I saw women sitting there weeping for Tammuz. That's Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 13 through 14. There are many more examples in the scriptures. But I think that it should be clear that when Israel did this, they brought about anger and judgment from Yahuwah. But let's dig a little deeper into it. If we go to that verse in Judges, it says that Israel served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And then it gave a list of the different nations. But notice how Yah put it, the Baals and the Ashtoreths. It's because there was no difference in these gods besides the nations that served them by the different names. The Canaanites and the Phoenicians were all pagans. Like I said, all the other nations were. They all served these different gods just as the Egyptians did. For these Canaanites, Baal is the sun god. His equivalence to the Egyptians was Ra. Ashtoreth is the moon goddess. Her Egyptian equivalence is Isis. And like I showed in that verse of the woman weeping for Tammuz, Tammuz is the equivalent to Egypt's Horus. The Israelites did not obey Yahuwah, and they began to serve the pagan gods of these other nations. Understand, he did not need to name the names of these different gods of these other nations, because they are all the same. That's why the scripture says Baals and Ashtoreth the father gods, the mother gods. And for this, the children of Israel were chastised and judged severely. They were commanded to follow Yah only and disregard and not inquire how these other nations serve their gods. But they were led by Satan, which is where this all leads. You see, the pagan trinity is just a representation of Lucifer. We see this in the Baphomet, where he is both male and female. And the reborn sun god is the prophecy of his coming son, who we know as the Antichrist. And this is why he's correlated with Jesus on December 25th during that whole winter solstice season. This is all about the occult, which is why the whole world follows it. The whole world shuts down on this day, besides the others that celebrate it on a different time in January. But anyway, all these religions point to Lucifer, and this is huge to understand. So in their disobedience, Israel was being led by Satan to intermingle with him and his pagan traditions. When we say pagan traditions, it is simply the way of saying the traditions that the other nations that were not Israel, how they worshiped their gods. And there were many customs, too many to list. For instance, we see in that scripture I gave in Jeremiah 7, when the women were making cakes for the queen of heaven. What do you think people do on Easter with their hot cross buns and their bun and cheese? Or even with abortions, this is a pagan custom of sacrificing children to their gods. I mean, there is even scripture in Jeremiah 10 that reads like this. 
Thus says Yahuwah, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. That's Jeremiah chapter 10 verses 2 and 4. A clear verse about what the Gentiles, the pagan nations did as a custom towards their gods. It was a custom of pagans and it was spoken against by Yah. He hated it. And people today boldly say that this scripture is not talking about a Christmas tree. Yeah. You don't want to celebrate Christmas? Respect. Don't celebrate Christmas. You can't use Jeremiah 10. 100%. Why? Why? Because no scholar, literally no scholar uses that verse. It's not about Christmas because Christmas didn't exist when Jeremiah was written. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. Christmas didn't exist. Okay. Christmas never ex it didn't exist when Jeremiah 10 was written. It's not a prophecy, and you won't find a single scholar. What do I mean by scholar? Someone that, like, got educated on this. Mm -hmm. Someone that, like, has a degree. No, someone that's a <laughs> scholar. Someone that has put out peer-reviewed research. Okay, peer-reviewed work. That's what constitutes a scholar. And know you guys are like, well, if you just read the Bible, God would tell you everything in the spirit. Nope, that's not how it works. You're reading an ancient document translated from ancient Hebrew, which no one speaks now except scholars, Right? The New Testament spoken in Aramaic in the Gospels, translated to Greek. Yeah, you're not just going to pick it up and be like, well, this sounds like... No, fam. That's an, Jeremiah 10 is not about that. You won't find a single scholar. If you're, if you're going to randos for information on stuff, you, 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 you've lost. It's, you're, you're done. This scripture is not talking about a Christmas tree. I mean, obviously not, because Christmas itself was not celebrated during that time. But it is a custom of pagans. It says it very clearly that they cut down trees from forests and they decorate it. And Yah hates it. And he said these customs are futile. Also, the Christmas tree, our Christmas tree, or our Yule tree as we refer to it, is a very pagan holiday. And what you're doing is bringing in the greenery into your house so that you're bringing in life and vitality and all that the evergreens represent. But because people don't recognize the difference between pagans and Israel, and all these lines have now been blurred, people can boldly say that these things are okay to do and practice because people are redeeming these things and, and this is not sin or whatever they say. If people would just understand Yah's words and commands to Israel when he told them how to follow him, he said, be careful to observe it and do not add to it or take away from it. But you see, today, worship of him has become so reckless that people advocate adding many things in and also taking many things out. And they say that they have liberty to do so in Messiah, which is blasphemy. But I'm going off subject, so let me get back to the point. I showed you the pagan God structure from the Egyptians. And then I showed you in the Bible that Israel was chastised for serving these gods. So if you take all that information, the difference between Israel and the heathen pagan nations should now be easily identified. If not, please leave your questions in the comments and I'll try to answer it if I see it. Okay, so let's move on. We spoke about the Egyptians, then the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Sidonians, etc. But if we add the other major empires during ancient history, this can all be understood in greater detail. After the Egyptians, there was the Babylonian and Assyrian empires. Their sun gods had different names. In Babylon, there was Marduk, and Assyria was Asher. 
but the mother goddess for both Babylon and Assyria was Ishtar, and the son of God is Tammuz. There are many things that are attached to these gods. For instance, worshippers of the ancient Babylonian religion celebrated the conception, not the birth, but the conception of Tammuz on the first Sunday after the full moon that followed the spring equinox. This is how we get the date for Easter, but I will cover that in a later part. They celebrated it by baking cakes to Ishtar, getting drunk, engaging in sex orgies and prostitution in the temple of Ishtar. Women were required to celebrate the conception of Tammuz by lying down in the temple and having sex with whoever entered. Babies were sacrificed in the honor of these pagan gods and their blood was consumed by the worshipers. This was a pagan festival practice. This is what pagans took part in. But we're not going to get too deep in this part. We are right now just identifying the gods of these pagan empires. Now, when we get to Greece and Rome, it gets a little more complex. There are many names that deal with these gods, but it seems that it depends on the time and generation on what god did what. So I will call out a few names and then the things that can be expounded on later. Helios is what was earlier referred to as the sun god, the chief of all gods. Later on, this worship was passed down to Apollo. How I deal with Greece is not concerning the name of their gods, but their functions because the importance and names of the gods changed throughout time. Now their sky god, which seems to be the most equivalent to Ra, Baal, and Marduk, is Zeus. The moon goddess is a toss-up between Leto and Artemis. Artemis is most known because the Romans adapted their moon goddess, the goddess of fertility Diana, to her. But again, just understand they had a mother goddess. The son of Zeus and Leto, who is their reborn sun god, his name is Apollo. And this is the Greek hierarchy of their pagan gods. When it went to Rome, things changed a little. In Rome, the sun god of the Greek Helios was now Sol Invictus, the unconquerable sun. The Roman equivalent to the Greek sky god Zeus is Jupiter. The Roman moon goddess equivalent of the Greek Artemis is the goddess Diana. And for the most part, they continue to refer to the reborn sun god as Apollo. This was the gods of the pagans all the way up until Yahusha was crucified and his disciples spread belief in him. They had many different beliefs that incorporated their way of life. They all had altars. All the pagan cultures set up altars. In their customs, they had altars on which fire continually burned and the temple altar was dedicated to the specific god of that temple. They would have small circular altars for burning incense and for libations, like we see here at the Temple of Zeus at Olympia. This is very common with pagans. They had ancestor worship, which was about the veneration of important people of their culture. In Egyptian worship, this was particularly strong as they built many tombs to assist bringing their pharaohs and other people of importance into the afterlife. Osiris would lead them into the afterlife. And this was later followed by the Greeks with Hades. If you ever go to Egypt, one thing you will see is that they were obsessed with the worship of their dead. They were obsessed with death. Now, according to the ancient Greeks, at the time of death, the soul separates from the body and is transported to the underworld, where it is accepted into the realm by the governing god Hades, who is known to reside at the edges of the ocean and under the deepest depths of the earth. And people would contact these gods of the underworlds to reach their families and friends. They would hold on to objects so that they can keep in contact with their spirits. 
ancestor worship was a very big practice amongst the pagans. This also led to another pagan custom of apotheosis. The Greek religion believed strongly in heroes and demigods. Apotheosis implies that some individuals cross the dividing line between gods and men. They become divine. Astrology was also a part of pagan beliefs and customs. The pagans adapted their calendar around the sun. They followed the sun god, and everything was based upon how long the sun was up versus the moon. The Egyptians constructed a calendar of 12 months each, with five days added at the end of the year. And at this point in time, most of the world uses the Gregorian calendar, which is a solar-based calendar. The way our time is calculated is different from how Yah determined our time. The Hebrews followed a lunar calendar that went by the cycle of the moon. A new moon, which was a full moon, is how we saw our months, like we had last week, which would be considered a new month. Time is calculated much differently using a lunar calendar versus a solar calendar, which is why when we look at these pagan holidays and their times are calculated by the calculation of the sun, we know that this is not about Yah because this is not how he calculated time. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Pagans worship the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they tie their lives to it. The zodiac and astrological horoscopes are heavily tied into Greek mythology. Pagans had feasts and festivals that all had to do with the worship of their gods. They had different times that were held according to the sun that led to the worship of their many gods. And with these times, they had revelries, orgies, and lawlessness would abound. Most of the things that Yah said he hates, they did during these festivals and feasts. This was the culture of the ancient world during the times of our Bible. All the other nations practiced these customs in their own way. The Bible is the direct opposite in opposition to the way of life of every other nation of the ancient world. Understand that. Like I explained earlier, if we were to apply that definition of pagan from the Oxford Dictionary, the definition people wrongly use today, it would actually be the faith of the Israelites that would be pagan because the rest of the world was recognized as polytheistic. The nations of the world worship many different gods with a pagan structure of mother god, father god, and son of god. And so if you apply that definition of pagan and use that to the ancient world, it would be the Israelites that would be pagans and we know that is grossly incorrect. So that definition is wrong and it should not be used. When you have proper understanding, you can clearly see how ridiculous that definition is and why we should never use it. The pagans or the heathens were different only to Israel. The nation of Israel was responsible for rejecting the ways of the other nations and they were only to follow Yahuwah. And so if you were to have a fundamental understanding of the Bible, you need to get this one thing straight. Everything that is found in the Bible is the history, the doctrine, the prophecy of all that made the children of Israel the only people to have a covenant with Yahuwah, the Most High, our Creator. He gave them laws, commandments, and statutes that separated them from every other nation in the world. They were always to be special, set apart to Him. So based off this understanding, if you now want to understand pagans, this isn't very hard to do. So let's clearly give the definition of what a pagan is. A pagan was an individual born outside the nation of Israel that was lawless, according to Yahuwah, our creator, his standards, his ways, his Torah. They worshiped many gods, 
the main gods in a trinity of father god, mother goddess, and son of god. Then they had a lot of smaller gods. They were able to worship these gods as they saw fit, and as time progressed, their customs and traditions would change. They were believers in many gods, and they had no rules or laws. They were just to worship them through the customs and traditions that they were told by their priest. Pretty much everything that men thought they could do to honor their gods, they were able to do. They were lawless, without law. And if you're ever going to understand the difference, understand it by that one word. Because the difference with Israel is that they were not. They were not lawless. They were given a Torah. And that told them how Yah desired to be loved and honored by them and followed. And they were told not to add or subtract from it. And that is the difference between Israel and the pagans. So if you're ever going to understand what it means when people say this is pagan or that is pagan, it means that it is something that came from men who decided this was the way they were going to honor their gods. And it all points back to the worship, celebration, and belief in Lucifer. In life, there are pagan customs that we can avoid and there are pagan customs that we cannot. Like living in this country, we can't change that they made the, the days of the week after their pagan gods. We can't change that. What we can change is how we worship Yah and how we celebrate him and what we do in honor of him. And we can honor his commands when he says not to add or take away from things that he has not given us in his word. The most important thing to understand when understanding who and what pagans are is to understand it in one way. They are lawless. They were never given a Torah. They were never given the commandments and statutes that said this is the way their gods must be worshipped or else. The Hebrews, the nation of Israel, are the only people that were like this. And it is a huge distinction to understand if you're going to say you are going to be in covenant with Yah through Yahusha. Yahusha did not come to be a sacrifice for our sins in order to give us the ability to be lawless. But unfortunately, this is what people used to sacrifice as. In fact, Messiah himself said this, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's Matthew chapter 7 verse 23. So the distinction between Israel and the pagans is highly important because you do not want to hear that you are following lawlessness. But the unfortunate truth is that many will hear this because after this pagan world lost its power, when Yahusha defeated Satan and rose from the dead, the world was forced to change. Satan was forced to change. And so instead of the difference in Israel and the pagans being so easy to identify, he changed his tactic of being different and focused on hijacking and assimilation. And now in our modern day history, we can see we have been affected by that strategy. So much so that all these different ways of lawlessness that Yah condemned and told Israel to abandon, he told them that he hated those ways. We now have people saying it's okay to participate in. And that goes way beyond Christmas, but Christmas is such an easy example to use. Neither Christmas or Halloween is pagan. Come at me, bro. So Halloween is actually an entirely Christian holiday in origin, although it has been modified over the centuries to become something entirely other at this point. And so now there is such a blending between the faiths that lawlessness abounds and people promote pure rebellion against the Most High, doing things he hates. But because they believe they have liberty to do these things, they feel that it gives them the right to do what they want and he will still accept them. And that is so far from the truth. This video has been made so that there is a clear distinction between pagans and Israel. If you have come to faith in Yahuwah through Yahusha the Messiah, you are now a part of Israel. 
and you are responsible to be set apart just as Israel has always been commanded. So now you understand what pagans were according to ancient history. Next, we need to discuss the hijacking and assimilation that has brought and kept many people practicing lawlessness while believing that our eternal destiny is bound for New Jerusalem. It's time to wake up out of that strong delusion. And this video right here hopefully is a much needed wake up call for everyone. The pagans did what they wanted in their worship of their many gods. They are lawless and they still are. If you are Israel, you must not be. This is why you must live in the word and read it in full. Do not follow traditions of men and stay committed to following Yahusha. He's looking for a spotless bride. Do not stain yourself in the traditions of men and by being deceived by tares that are masquerading as if they truly share your faith. Be wise and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge Yahuwah and he will direct your path. Believe this, apply this, and be ready for the fulfillment of our promise. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. Okay. Thanks again for watching. If this has blessed you, please don't forget to like and share this video with others. Everyone who says they are a believer must be able to properly define a pagan. It will help them in their walk be set apart. If you haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Y'all willing, I upload every Friday. Also, please don't forget to follow this ministry on Facebook, Instagram, as well as on my website, truthunedited.com. To all who continue to support this ministry, I sincerely thank you. I sincerely appreciate all that you do for this ministry. Your support is humbling. Thank you for following Yah's call on your heart. Be blessed. You know who you are. Okay. Thanks again for watching, everyone. I love you all.